talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No but wait wait I have something for him Boom you get shot down Now you just fucking me aren't you <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast Concentrate on the news it's what we do Wow <laughs> FY there's nothing wrong Started, shall we? Why are you rolling a die right now? You got a five. Bro. I got a five. Fuck. Whatever the fuck that means. Welcome back to another episode of the Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. I am your host again, Josh. And to my left, we have Achi. That's me. And to my right, we have Moses. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> this is a very underwhelming. Intro compared to your overwhelming what? intro from last episode. I'm not gonna do that again. It's just the one time Bruh, thing, baby. Our, our listeners want to hear that. I'm well, pretty sure y'all y'all want to hear that. I highly doubt that. I'm still wondering about that grape though. What grape? The grape story. Why well, stomp the shit out of that grape? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So let's dive right into it. Today's topic: the end of the world. Now that topic scares the shit out of many people, and that. Those certain people, I'm included in that group. Yeah, that was me too. Talking about the end of the world scares the shit out of me. I don't know why. Especially I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to. Especially when there's movies about it. Like 2012 was one of them. What was another one? Uh, the Day After. The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, that one scared the shit out of me. Yeah. I remember. I remember. I could remember one day in I think it was 12th grade. I'm, it might have been when I was a super senior. A fucking super senior. Yeah, when senior. I was in the 13th grade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember someone was talking about something in class, and I got home, and I didn't sleep because I was like, holy shit. And they were talking about the, like, the end of the world, mm. and I just couldn't picture myself. I'm like, all right, if the world ends, it's just going to be. I'm not going to exist. It's just black forever. Like, Black and I was like, yeah, fuck. And I kept thinking like, no, and like I, I can like I can make it worse for myself. I'm like, no, no, no. It's not just black. It's forever black. And I can picture in my head like you're gonna keep zooming now. You're not gonna see dick. It's just black. And that kept me up. So when I think really hard about it, I start freaking myself out. Yeah. And you know what's the worst part? I it bet. gets to you when you're ready to go to sleep. When you're in bed, that's where it fucking hits you the most. I mean, I had a different experience. I would like, I would think of moments of like, out of randomness, where I wonder how is it that our bodies work the way they do? Or how would you, if like, what if the way people see you is different from the way you see yourself in the mirror? Well, what the fuck do you smoke before <laughs> you go to bed? So yeah, the topic is the end of the world. I'll be talking about different scenarios of how the world can end. Achi over here will talk about uh, doomsday cults, so cults that believe that the world was going to fucking end. And Moses? I'm going to talk about the times our dumbasses thought the world was going to end, <laughs> starting with our first doomsday prediction. This was prediction was by Ed Martin of Tours. He predicted the world was going to end between 375 and the year 400. So basically, this French bishop stated that the world would end before 400 A.D., and he wrote, there is no doubt that the Antichrist has already been born. Firmly established already in his early years, he will, after reaching maturity, achieve supreme power. So, obviously, this numbnut was incorrect. And basically, this whole list is going to be about people who, for one reason or another, assumed the world was going to end for biblical reasons. So, uh so fast forward about 500 years, and this doomsday prediction was, uh, was made by various Christians. This is between the year 992 and 995. And this was because uh, Good Friday coincided with the Feast of the Annunciation. For those of you that do not know, the Feast of the Annunciation is basically when the um, um, it celebrates the day uh, the Archangel Gabriel went up to Virgin Mary, you know, just went into her house and did the whole, psst, psst, hey, uh, I know you're a virgin, but... Um, God's in you now, or the Son of God's in you now, so um, let's try to keep it, you know, like, low-key. Yeah, so basically, that's what happened. 
because Good Friday coincided with this feast on the, uh, this Annunciation. Uh, this had long been believed to be the event that would bring forth the Antichrist, and thus the end times within three years. So that's what they predicted in 1992, the world was going to end in the year 995. When that didn't happen, uh, we fast forward five years to January 1st, when Pope Sylvester II, he predicted that the millennium apocalypse at the end of the Christian millennium would bring forth the apocalypse. So basically what... what um, what happened what happened was that various Christian clerics and a few other, you know, various other Christians predicted the end of the world on this date. These they are called the millenniums because they predicted the world was gonna end, like he Paul Sylvester the Second said, after the millennium. This is the year one thousand. Let's fast forward two hundred and eighty four years to a different Pope. And this Pope, he was Pope Innocent the Third. And uh, he died in 1216, but he predicted that the world was going to end in the year 1284 uh, after the rise of, after 660 years after the rise of Islam. So we have a little bit of uh, Islamophobia with this Pope, but if you heard our previous episodes, a lot of Pope's pieces of shit. Uh, so this Pope predicted the world was going to end in 1284 to 12, yeah, around the year 1284. Um, the Joachimites, they were religious groups um, who believed in the world would end at the turn of the apocalypse or the return, uh, the turn of the millennium. They predicted in the year 1290 and the year 1335, the world was going to end. So what happened was after this 1260 prediction failed, the followers of Joachim of Fior rescheduled the end of the world to be 1290. And when that didn't happen, they're like, no, 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 we fucked up. It's actually 1335. And then that didn't click. Then that didn't hit. But fast forward a few 10 years later, and basically half the world thought the world was going to end. But that was because that's when the Black Plague hit. And for those of you that do not know, or yeah, for those of you that do not know, the obviously the Black Plague known as the Black, as the, as the Black Death was one of the most devastating pandemics in human history. And this piece of shit fucking plague... Uh, was responsible for an estimated 75 to 200 million people and you know and it really hit europe in the sp in the span of four years between 1347 to 1345 so this so this plague spread across europe and be and imagine 75 to 200 million people dying you think the world was gonna fuck it man but it didn't but that didn't last long because in 1524, a few London astrologers predicted the world was going to end on February 1st of that year. So, a group of astrologers in London predicted the world would end by a flood starting in London based on the calculations made the previous June. So, because of this, 20,000 Londoners left their homes and headed for higher ground in anticipation of this. But this is not the only doomsday prediction that happened in this year. Also, in this year, 1524, Thomas Munzer, he predicted that between 1524 and 1526, uh, it would mark the beginning of the millennium. According to this Anabaptist, the world was going to end between 1524 to 1526 or maybe 1525. So his followers went batshit crazy and they were killed by cannon fire in an uneven battle with government troops. And then he himself died under torture and you know he was eventually beheaded. And then the world was all good again in terms of doomsday predictions. But then you fast forward a little over 100 years, and then you have the asshole Christopher Columbus. This asshole claimed that the world was created in 5,343 B.C. and would last 7,000 years. Assuming there was no zero year, that means the world would come to an end in 1658. And now let's go to... Fast forward 120 years to 1780 to May 19th. This was this prediction was done was made by a few New Englanders um, around Connecticut because at that uh, on that date May 19th 1780 the sky turned dark during the day and it was and it was interpreted by the end of times. But the primary cause of this event is to have been is to it's believed to have been a combination of smoke from forest fires, a thick fog, and cloud cover. So people were freaking the fuck out. <laughs> but it was just like a coincidence that a bunch of shit was going on at the same time. Oh, shit. And this is my favorite one in 1806. This lady, Mary Bateman, she predicted the world was going to end. Who? Mary Bateman. Technically, she didn't. 
So, in Leeds, in 1806, a hen began laying eggs on which the phrase, on which the phrase Christ is coming was written. So, in 1806, this Mary Bateman, she had a chicken that was laying eggs that said, on the fucking egg, Christ is coming. So people were freaking the fuck out. They said that on the egg? They said that on the egg, and then they found out it's a hoax, and this crazy lady was just grabbing eggs, painting shit on it, and sticking it up the hen's ass. Only for, for only for the hen to just lay it out again. And she'd be like, look, see, it happened. Poor fucking hen. Yeah, so that's that, that was one of my favorite ones. What the fuck? Yeah, so <laughs> there's a shitload, and these are just like the religious, you know, like the religious uh list like yeah, there was yeah. you could find a bunch of shit but oh yeah I, I thought these were like the most funny and like interesting ones like well, most of the ones are just like oh shit we lost like ta- like two kingdoms were gonna fight like oh we lost but we're the holy messengers of god so because we lost the world's in the end majority of, of it's like that or like or battles were going on and uh-huh. like oh shit where everyone's dying so that means the world's gonna end loki i thought you were gonna bring up y2k no, I'm not bringing up. No, well, I wanted to talk about old, uh-huh. old, 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 old ones. I mean, do you remember when fucking Best Buy even had announcements like, "Be sure to turn off your computer because, you know, we're coming to two, the year 2000. And we don't want you to." Dude, I remember you. that was one of the most stressful New Years of my fucking life. I remember that shit to the T. I remember it was we were watching TV. We were in the living room. Everyone was watching TV, standing still, like. Not moving, looking at the time. And then once it hit like 11.50, 11, yeah. like 11.40, 11.50, we all went to my mom's room and we were just chilling. And once it hit midnight, like we were just like, oh, shit. And then it hit 12.01 and we're like, okay. And then it was we're like, not going <laughs> to die. It was like 12.02, 12.03. Oh, all it takes one minute. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go outside and we're like, are we okay? All right, cool. We're okay. We made it, guys. We made it. Yeah. I mean, to moving, move on from, you know, or transition into more modern societies where, you know, the people believe the world was going to end. I'm going to talk about three specific cults that believed in, you know, that ideal that the world was going to end, that there was going to be Judgment Day. And so the first one I'm going to talk about is called Lord or Righteousness Church, or also known as Strong City. And Strong City was a religious cult near Clayton, New Mexico, laid, uh, led by the man of the name of Wayne Bent. And so I watched a 40-minute documentary about Bent and his religious cult, and it is just mind-boggling on how brainwashed this, you know, this man did to his followers over the shit that you know, he would say and they would believe in. And so Wayne Bent had his, his followers convinced that he was really the next messiah. Bent said that one day in the year 2000, he was sitting in his living room and God spoke to him. He let him know that he was the next messiah and that he was the embodiment of God. He was his shepherd, and, you know, people believed him. And for a while, he had close to about 50 to 60 followers, and, you know, they would sing songs, they prayed, they had religious ceremonies, you know, what's typical in in church, in a Christian church setting. But then things started to get really weird. Like, sorry to cut you off, but I've always wondered, what the fuck do these cult leaders say to the people to make them believe they're the Messiah? Like... Like, to be honest, I want to say it's a lot of just like, you know, these are people who have been kind of abused and abused by society that they're kind of just losing hope. And so this person comes in and just charismatic asshole, just like, I'll help you, you know, John may call it. I'll help you out. <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, Wayne Bent made an announcement to his followers that the end was near and, you know, they had to prepare for the world for the end of the world. And so they would be told to take off their humanly possessions and get ready to enter God's world. Followers began to start leaving this isolated commune, not because the world was ending, but because, you know, he was asking them to get rid of his things. So these 50 or 60 followers that he had, they started dwindling down because, you know, Wayne Bent started telling them, hey, you got to drop your shit. You gotta, if, if, if you have a phone if you have any, you know, personal belongings, you got to leave them behind because we're trying to get ready to, you know, move on to heaven, move on to God's world. So basically, basically he went up to people. He's like, look, I'm the next coming to Christ. People are like, oh, shit. Fuck yeah. Come with me. Fuck yeah. Give me your phones. Whoa. 
Yeah. Well, hold on. Base. Hold on. Yep. Hold on, bro. Hold yep. on. Hold yep. on. Hold on. Hold on. And, you know, Wayne Bent really took advantage of the titles of Messiah. And so, you know, he really believed people that, 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 that really believed Wayne Bent stayed and a lot of them were actually teens and young adults. Like all the adults that actually, you know, had a mind thought this through and they're like, you know what? Same for me. But um, the kids, because, you know, they're, they're just learning yeah. what life is all about. This is all they know. So they thought, you know, no, this is for me. Like, I want to do this. All the adults are like, oh, you know what? I got a mortgage. Rent's coming up. You know what? I can't do this. Thank you, though. I'm, uh-huh. I'm bouncing. Uh-huh. But, you know, this is how sick this fucker Wayne Bent was. For whatever reason, God asked, you know, Bent to lay naked with virgins, which included girls between the age of 13 and 18. Most of these girls were the daughters of followers and slash or ex-followers. That's some Gandhi shit. And according to him, the girls that lay naked with him had apparently did nothing sexual in nature. And the girls even explained, exclaimed, I felt like I was being embraced in the arms of God. What the fuck? So he was just laying there naked with like piece of shit. Like she would, the, the girls would say like, you know, this is. I, I never felt this kind of warmth before. I never felt like I was being embraced by anything else but God when I was, you know, with this piece of with shit. This piece of shit. <clears throat> but although, you know, he wasn't sexual, according to the girls, he was with his own son's wife. Yes. His son and his wife were also brainwashed into followers of the cult. When they were being interviewed in the video, the son looked so destroyed they could tell that he was emotionally devastated by what occurred especially since the son's wife explained what happened she said that she didn't question it at all and that it was god's reason as to why it happened she was like no baby i wasn't having sex with your dad i was having sex with god god was taking me down and god robbed me what's what's you know you could tell that Wayne was enjoying this because when the shot went like a, a close-up shot went into Wayne's face, he was smirking the entire time when she was saying what she was saying. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait, there's video of this shit. There's video of this shit, bro. <laughs> it was this, this media from the UK that came over and they're like, you know what? We gotta check these, these fuckers out. You guys heard about the righteousness of, of church? We gotta check them out. And what's weird, unlike any other cult that I'll talk about later, is that. The people of right, the righteousness of you know, righteousness church or strong city, they don't mind. They didn't mind getting interviewed by these guys. Anywhere else, National Geographic, Discovery Channel, they're like, nah, mm-mm, I don't, I don't, we don't want you guys to be coming over here. But these guys, they're like, yeah, sure, fuck it, you know, interview us, check us out. You don't get as long as you know you portray us in the good light, then sure, of course. But anyways. Wayne Bent exclaimed that the world was going to end on October 31st, 2007. And so the UK news reporter of this documentary followed the the cult in their day-to-day lives until Judgment Day. The closer the date became, the more the ex-followers who still had family or their own children in the cult felt nervous that Wayne Bent would do something to harm their kids, especially with all the news that already occurred from previous cults believing in the end of days. So, you know... This is the year, you know, it was reaching up to 2007. Before that, there's been other cults, and I'll mention them later, that have done harm to their followers. This is the part that trips me the fuck out. People in 2007 are being brainwashed to fucking joining cults. So close to, you know, modern days. I'm going to start my own cult. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. So now you're going to be laying naked with children, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, once you start getting closer to the end of days, quote unquote some of the followers rescued their children but to their surprise some of these children were so brainwashed that they began to harm themselves requesting to be taken back to strong city eventually two kids got their way and they were brought back to the commune one of the two exclaimed that they hated living back home they felt like they were being suffocated by society and couldn't handle living with their own mother and father one of the girls that got interviewed she would starve herself to death because she wanted to go back to the she commune. She wanted to go back to the commune. Fuck. But what's stupid is just like the, the, the mom, she got interviewed too. She's like, I don't know what to do. Just, you know, if I don't let her go, she's going to freaking keep on starving herself. How how old was the girl? She was like about, I want to say 15. Oh, okay. I was going to make yeah. a joke, but never mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the day finally <laughs> came. The world was going to end. And you know what happened? Bet, along with his juvenile followers, were yelling, Salvation! As he marched across a dark, empty field, holding lanterns. <laughs> Obviously, you know, the world didn't end. And so when the UK news reporter wanted to get a post-Judgment Day interview with Wayne <laughs> Bet, his son refused to allow him or anyone else to come in and interview them. You know they felt fucking ridiculous as fuck after that happened. Dude, I wish there was a... I wish I had a film crew of them fucking walking <laughs> across, across the field, field fucking <laughs> screaming redemption for them. And then they're looking at 12 and they're like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Maybe we're off for like an hour. They keep doing it. I wonder how long they did it. Do you think it was just like 10 minutes after 12 o'clock and they're like, oh, wait, the world's not going to end? Or do you think it went all the way up to like 4 o'clock in the morning? They're all tired, just walking around. Yeah. Redemption. Redemption. <laughs> They're all, the lighters are all fucking out of gas, so they can't light the tiki torches anymore, so they're just walking in the dark. <laughs> Father's like, Wayne, you sure? Like, no, I keep going. Say, say it. Salvation. Yeah, so what Salvation. happened to the fucking the kids? So, eventually, in December of 2008, oh, Wayne Bent was convicted for having sexual contact with minors, duh, and the motherfucker was locked up. Hell finally. Yeah. But he was released only eight years later because apparently he had a cancer that was affecting his hearing from his left ear, and they let him out. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but they let him out just because of his the cancer that he was producing. Because he he's getting. white. Yeah. Privilege. But, I mean, now as far as how, if, whether or not the cult is still running, I highly doubt it. I couldn't find anything post-2016 since Ben's son was the one that's in charge of updating the website because there is a website still. It's still up. What? Yeah, but like there hasn't been any update after you know post when he got released from from prison or whatever. Have you checked it out? Yeah, and I tried finding like oh you know they're still doing the cold they're still doing shit nah nah. Did you leave a comment? I wish. I'm like fuck you, dude. You just leave a comment. You just put W Y A where you at? <laughs> <laughs> they respond back. New cold who this? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay, now going back in time. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard of Heaven's Gate? Who? Yes. Yes. Who? That was the next cult huh? that I want to talk about. One of the more famous cults in history was founded by cult leader Marshall Applewhite and his ex-nurse, Bonnie, in 1974. Heaven's Gate was one of the cults that you know believed in life after the great beyond, like many doomsday cults do, but with them was through extraterrestrial evacuation. Applewhite and his followers believed that they didn't belong on Earth, and their bodies were only temporary containers of this world. Not only that, but Applewhite and his members were refrained from interacting with the outside world. This was a very common trait in cults, especially those who uh, have its members live in some sort of commune where they dismiss their possessions and family in order to fully be committed into the cult. And Heaven's Gate was no different. Not only were the members not allowed to socialize, they were also not allowed to leave the commune, dress differently from one another, or have sex. Applewhite firmly believed that having sex was considered an quote-unquote earthly desire, and so this was a big no-no in the cult. Some members even took it as far as castration in order to prevent themselves from such intimacy at, with other members and believed that they would have a higher chance of being accepted by their extraterrestrial saviors. Yeah, these motherfuckers, this whole time, they believed that there was a spaceship behind this comet or a cloud or something in space that's on the way to save them. Uh-huh. Never came. And you'll see what happens. Little else is known about, you know, what the group believed in besides wanting to depart from the Earth. And it was said that Heaven's Gate didn't believe in death. They believed in what was known as reaching the next level. Have you guys seen... Um, the Netflix series, or what's Hulu series, actually? Marvel's Runaways? No. It's this new Marvel show where there's a bunch of teens. They found out their parents are part of this kind of cult type of thing. And they're trying to, you know, they grab Runaways, you know, people in society that just, just are forgotten. No one, you know, accepts them. They don't have any family or anything. They bring them to this church. And so those runways are put into this kind of pod. And they tell them, oh, you're going to, I don't know if it's a great beyond. What was it? Oh, you're going ultra. And like they don't tell them what it is, but it's just like you're going to go to a higher place. And then it kind of <clears throat> reminds me of 
this because they tell they don't tell them oh you're gonna die or they died it's just like they went to the next level they're already like over there with the aliens or whatever every time i think of or every time i hear heaven's gate i always think of the green bay packer logo because they stole the green bay packer logo. yeah that i didn't notice that oh, and and the dope ass cortezes that nike had to cut like <sighs> fucking stop selling because of these motherfuckers and you find those nikes on online those specific ones Look how sick these motherfuckers look. They're like for, about for Cortezes. They're like six G's, dude. But they discontinued them because these assholes killed themselves while fucking all wearing them, them. All of them had those Cortezes. No, yeah. all of them had those Cortezes, dude. Fuck. They're sick as fuck. Look how sick these motherfuckers are, man. Oh, sorry, actually going. And so, speaking of the next level, uh, when Heaven's Gate co-founder Bonnie Lou Nestles died from cancer, Applewhite exclaimed to his members. That Nestles did not actually die, but instead moved on to the next level. Not only was the death, you know, of Nestles tragic for Applewhite, but you know he fall into this deep depression, and also his membership of Heaven Ga- Heaven's Gate dwindled dramatically. It's almost like you know how you're talking about the Bavarian Illuminati. Yeah. What was the name? Baron von Nick. Yeah. The charismatic motherfucker. Yeah. She was like that type of person in Heaven's Gate. So then, when she died, everyone's like, man. Oh. Like, oh, I didn't like the cold. I liked her. It's like, this, this fucker's bullshit. So, during the early 1990s, the cult resurfaced, however, with a bunch of new members. The Applewhite was able to convince that the spaceship was coming with the discovery of the Hellbop Comet, in which, according to astronomers, only passes around the Earth every 4,000 years and it orbits around the, CERN, around the sun. So, it was perfect timing for Applewhite. He, along with 38 of his followers, rented out a giant mansion in Rancho Santa Fe in, Rancho Santa Fe in San Diego in order to prepare for this great event. In preparation for the members' departure from Earth and ascendance into the great beyond, all the members dressed in similar clothing with black garments, the black Cortez that we were talking about earlier, and drank a lethal mixture of phenobar, phenobarpital and vodka and suffocating themselves with bags over their heads. All the members committed suicide in order to depart into space and hope to catch a ride on the Hellbop Comet and ultimately ascend into the great beyond. I don't know why the alien can just land and have them carpool. Yeah, just scoop them up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, That's just... a gruesome way to fucking go yeah. out, dude. What? And not only that, this wasn't a one-day thing. This happened in the course of three days, dude. Son in three God. days, it's just like... Hey, you next, bro. All right, cool. You're dead. Yeah. You're dying tomorrow. And apparently, it's rumored that two members actually survived drinking the concoction and are, you know, rumored to are still run the website currently that's on right now. I heard that they didn't survive drinking the the thing. I just heard that they were chosen to not drink it to keep the to keep Heaven's Gate going. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, but I think you can still email them no and, they'll, and they'll respond back to you. What? I'll be like, send me a shirt, bro. <laughs> send me those Cortezes, bro. I know you I know you got a pair still. Pick them up. Hey, y'all got a size 12? <laughs> <laughs> no, they all look like they have little feet. Okay. Anyway, last one. This one's the most gruesome. Fuck. This is the most gruesome mostly because... I watched a documentary and I listened to literally the last recording that happened right minutes before what happened. This mass suicide that happened and I'll talk about later. Go on. So the the People's Temple. Oh. So, you know, like I mentioned, lastly, I want to talk about this. And it's considered as one of the most horrific doomsday cults in all of history. And I think it's, you know, because of this cult that coined the term, don't drink the Kool-Aid. And this is none other than, like I mentioned before, the People's Temple. The People's Temple was founded by Jim Jones in 1995. And unlike the other two cults, this cult had a huge following. It's been estimated that at its peak, the cult was supported by over 20,000 followers. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, that's a whole fuck. And the People's... uh, what is it? The People's Temple first started as an independent congregation in Indianapolis in the 1950s. And the People's Temple, you know, followed that of a Christian church. And Jim Jones was an ordained for just four years later after he started the People's Temple. 
But unlike other cults, Jim Jones brought politics into the mix of religion, where he was an activist against racial and social injustices. Although Jones was a white male, he knew and he understood the troubles of people of color would face on a day-to-day life and would openly discuss this in the People's Temple. He had a huge following of people of all walks of life, and the people had a great time. You know, every time there was a ceremony that would be happening, these churches would be packed, jam-packed. Like, you're trying to find parking at Frankenstein's at 1 p.m. packed. That's pretty fucking packed, bro. And it was a common thing with these ceremonies, especially if Jim Jones was the one giving mass. Everything was fine and dandy, however, until Jones warned of a nuclear holocaust that was happening in Indianapolis. And so the congregation moved to Ukiah, California. I don't even know where the fuck Ukiah, California is. When I searched it up, it's over by Redwoods, apparently. What? Yeah. Y'all motherfuckers are just fucking traveling to all these fucking places where motherfuckers are dying and killing people and shit. Hold on, hold on. That didn't happen there, though. Anyways, not having enough space in these churches was an overwhelming problem. And so the congregation expanded to seven locations across California. Them being Santa Rosa, Sacramento, Fresno, Bakersfield, Los Angeles, and their headquarters station in San Francisco. It's really through the church in San Francisco, however, where Jones really brought out his political side. Although the People's Temple was considered a Christian church, mostly due to the fact for tax purposes, Jim Jones and his wife openly confessed that they were atheists. Yep, one of the fastest growing religions at the time was not actually religious. What a mindfuck, right? Well, the truth is, Jim Jones was actually a firm believer of Marxism, hence the name The People's Church. However, unlike traditional Marxism, there were selected leaders of whom the followers knew were in charge. Jones had a very selected ideology where he believed that the best way for his followers to live is in the image of a utopia by living communally. And on 1974, he and many of his followers were led to a commune in Guyana, notoriously named Jonestown. There were a lot of rumors as to what was happening in Jonestown, most of them being followers you know getting physically abused both adults and children this was enough for families or relatives that were not a part of jonestown to feel deeply concerned for what was happening in the commune so the relatives persuaded california congressman leo j ryan to fly to jonestown and find out what was actually going down in the commune apparently the visit went well jonestown followers were very friendly and showed the congressman you know and a few others that were accompanying him around but his visit was short-lived. For reasons that we still don't know, the congressman and this posse were shot down when they arrived to the airport preparing to leave back to the U.S. Rumor, well, I don't know if it's rumor, but the reason why they killed that DA agent was because some lady in the in, in Jonestown wanted to escape, no? She gave him a note saying, we need help. Yeah. We are here. No. We yeah. are here not by choice. Like We came here by choice, but we can't leave anymore. Yeah. So he grabbed the note and he was like, I gotta go. And then this piece of shit's like, oh, something's up. And he ended up killing that federal agent. Yeah. And the still that file is like confidential. So we still don't know what the fuck happened. Because it wasn't just him, it was also like news reporters from NBC, yeah, it was like, it was like Fox three, News. It was like three, like four that. people that ended yeah. up dying with, with him. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. So shortly after, Jim Jones gave a speech proclaiming for an act of social justice through suicide. And on November 18th of 1978, over 900 people, including Jim Jones, committed suicide by drinking a mixture of concoction of Kool-Aid mixed with cyanide. And like I mentioned earlier, this commune also included children as well. And so 300 children lost their lives that day as well. Official autopsies show that not all members committed suicide. Some were either shot dead or forced to drink the Kool-Aid by other committed members. Yeah, um, uh, he had he had his own militia. He had so much. He had militia. He had people guarding fucking Jonestown with guns. So when he mm-hmm. told everybody, drink this, drink this shit with the cyanide, a lot of people didn't want to do it. They're like, what the fuck? I want to do it. But they had all these soldiers on the outside pointing guns at them, saying, if you don't drink it, we're just gonna shoot you. So a lot of them, most of them, by force, were just drinking it and forcing the people to drink it, and they ended up just taking each other out. Mm-hmm. And then when I was looking on info on you know the subject on Wikipedia. 
Like I mentioned before, I came across a live recording of Jim Jones along with members communicating their final words before the timely death. I'm not going to lie, it was a little hard to listen to this recording. And so if you want to listen to it on your own discretion. But in this recording, Jim Jones was uh, explained to his followers the reason why the death is the only option under the certain circumstances. He exclaimed how death would be a lot easier to endure than life that they were living on the planet. At one point, one of his female followers attempted to persuade Jim, you know what, spare the children. You know, let them go. Like, what, what do they have to do to deserve this type of stuff? But, you know, Jim, of course, and a lot of his followers were giving, sh- you know, giving a shit for saying that. And how dare he qu- question the choice made by their cult leader? Like, how fucking brainwashed do these people have to be to think that it's okay to, you know, kill their children? Just because someone else is saying, hey, they'll suffer a lot less in, you know, yeah. doing this and living their life. But yeah, you know, they all die shortly after. And to top it all off, Jim Jones, before all this happened, before the move to Jonestown, actually received <coughs> the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Award for, huma- for you know, humanity. Yeah, because when, or when he was starting the people, you know, when he was starting the religion, he was one of the first, like, woke religion where he's like i don't care if you're white black mexican african chinese we don't give a shit about any of that so Uh he had a lot of people coming in a lot of people and at that time it was like a community where it's like oh shit mary over here she lost her husband she can't work so everyone in the church regardless of race regardless of gender would go and help people would see that oh shit and they join in and then Little by little started growing and growing to the point where he's like, fuck it. I could go to fucking South America and buy myself a fucking this, all these acres and just live on my own. And then one of the grossest like things about this is the cleanup. The cleanup of, of this fucking mess. 900 people died, right? And they didn't go ahead and clean them up. Like The cleanup didn't start like, oh... They, they died at 12 where started cleaning them up at 1 yeah. it took days and weeks before they were able to get there by that time oh, the, the body bodies were decomposed they wasn't even decomposed dude yeah. they couldn't even use body bags they had barrels and buckets and and shovels just glopping people oh, into shit it's just cause it's tropical it's human as shit yeah it's just so they were just glopping people into buckets yeah. just and it was in the middle of the jungle so you know it's gonna take some time to get there and you know, move all the bodies out and whatnot. In and out. Yeah. And he, he and he made that purposefully because, you know, you're in the middle of the jungle. Good luck trying to fucking escape anywhere. Good and luck the trying soldiers to find... went out too? They... That I do not know. I think they took, no, I think, I think soldiers are, everyone's dead. We could go on this balance. For real? Because they weren't part of the church. They were just like hired guns. Oh, okay. You know, they were just, and I'm, that's what I'm assuming. I'm not, I haven't looked too into it, but I'm pretty sure they're like, oh shit. He's like, yeah. like all the soldiers looked at each other. And they're like, we ain't doing this shit, right? But you know who survived? I mean, according to this, docu- this documentary that I've seen. Who? Jim's son. Jim Jones' son. No. Yeah. And he even he was like, yeah, my dad's crazy. He's a sick fuck. Yeah, like... um, And his his wife, his his own mom, she, she knew it. She believed him. But, like, you know, if she would say anything, <clears throat> she was dead, too. So her, her last wish, her last dying, you know, commencement or whatever, is getting her son out of the forest. But even when, when Jim Jones' son was out, Jim would call him and let him know, hey, you got to get the fuck back here. I want you back here. Like, you got we need you here right now. Yeah. And his son was like, nah, I'm staying here. Wait, I'm so good. he's alive? He's alive. Oh. Like, there's so many books, so many documentaries, so, so much of that shit. But if you guys don't have, I don't want to say the time, but if you guys don't want to read or, or watch and you guys are really into, like, one rather listen to it. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, I'm actually wearing the shirt right now, the last podcast on the left, they just celebrated the 300th episode. And they have, I think it's a three-part episode where they go really into detail into, into Jonestown. And not just like the cult, but into Jim Jones himself. It's fucking fascinating. and It's all fucking... That was one thing I couldn't find is like his, his background story. There's a lot of information on... You know, on people, Jonestown? Yeah. yeah. And people sample and whatnot. But like him himself not so much i got more info on marshall applewhite the guy from heaven's gate than i did from jim jones yes yeah, so if you guys want to <laughs> listen more about jonestown go go ahead and look up the last podcast on the left and it's episode 300 i think it's like two or three episodes it's fucking amazing how old is that episode i don't know like a month old 
Oh, that's recent as fuck. You're like a month old, if that. Well, fuck, dude. You just changed the mood in the goddamn <laughs> fucking room. I feel like I have... I don't want to talk anymore. I'm just like... I feel fuck. like I have a habit of just getting topics like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's you. Like, we have segments in the future. That's going to be your fucking... The you're gonna, darkest, You're going to be the Debbie Downer? You're going to be the Debbie Downer? Yeah, fuck. We're, we're making you go last. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so the listeners can fucking suffer. Damn. God, fuck, dude. 300 fucking kids. Yeah. The height. It's insane, man. Wow. It's intense. Fuck. It's really intense. Wow. Changing fucking topics <laughs> over here. Earlier, I mentioned uh, uh, different scenarios of how the world will end. Starting off with number one, we have global warming, also known as climate change. Oh, it's not real. Yeah, well, that's not real. According to our president, uh, well, yeah, well, he's my president, and according to him, uh, shit ain't you're real. Edit the shit out of this real quick, okay? So, climate change is a scale rise in the overall average temperature of Earth. This increase in temperature is changing the climate system and creating, like I said, change, change for the worst. Intense drought, storms, heat waves, rising sea levels, warming oceans. The beginning of the end. <laughs> Get it, man? It's the end of the world. Okay. Worldwide, cities will flood. Harvests will be ruined. The climate change will cause famine. To top it off, Discover Magazine described a more dramatic effect. And I quote, with water evaporating faster, freeing water vapor which is a potent, green, a potent greenhouse gas, which traps more heat, which drives carbon dioxide from the rocks, which drives temperatures higher, making the world hot as fuck to live in. Luckily, it will take a lot of warming to cause this effect. That shit ain't real, though. Global warming. That shit ain't real, because it was yeah. cold, like, last week. <laughs> it's, it's been hot as fuck, dude, and it's winter. Dude, that's... That's what fucking Trump said. Trump said, that's what he said. He said, global, how could global warming be real if it's fucking cold? This motherfucker said, how can global warming be real if it's fucking cold? <laughs> that's our present. Look, throughout high school, I didn't know the difference between, well, I thought climate and weather. Was, was, the was, same, thing? was the same you guys know the difference between weather and climate i know they're different but yeah, but how, are they how? Di- how they're different how are they different okay so locks so to dumb it down weather oh, is a more stupid. local and temporary short-term change so rain snow uh-huh. you know uh thunder whatever that's local and short-term climate is long-term is long-term so it's seasons and all that so winter summer and all that so it's a long-term uh effect so local versus global (laughs) yeah makes sense thank you so that is number one global warming moving on to number two you mentioned this earlier the global epidemics also known as deadly pathogens okay the black plague also known as a black death took the lives of millions of people in europe during the 14th century in the year 1347, trading ships arrived at the port of Messina after a long journey across the Black Sea. People at the dock stood there to welcome the ships and their sailors, but instead, they welcomed death and its black boils that ooze blood and puss. That followed behind the greeting. The world, the world may take a turn for the worse if we are hit quickly by another massive and deadly pathogen. Now, pathogen is a bacterium, virus, or other microorganism that can cause diseases. To make matters worse, diseases can build resistance to antibiotics, which means a common case of the flu can be fatal. The hell's that? Oh, that's what the Black Plague doctor is? Yeah. No. Yeah. Those are the masks they used to wear. Holy shit, that's scary as fuck, dude. Imagine you're fucking dying of the you're black plague. The that. doctor comes in, this motherfucker comes in. Oh shit, I'm dead already. This is the fucking Grim Reaper. <laughs> this is like a spy versus spy. <laughs> yeah, those are the plague doctors. 
Yeah, the, here it is. Here's a good picture of it. I'm gonna post it up. If you guys, if you guys are listening, we'll post the plague doctor pictures on um, on our Instagram. Okay, I want that mask here. I'll be sick. There's a uh, there's her skin in the game Smite, where one of uh one of the hunters is an army. She has they yeah she yeah she has a skin uh uh a cost and all that. Oh shit, dude! I didn't know that. Yeah, that's the that's the blue, that's the plague doctors, dude. That's fucking that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to number three, true artificial intelligence, the creation of a machine, a machine that will have a form of consciousness. This consciousness, which will allow it to think, act, and the most terrifying attribute of all, to make judgment. According to Stephen Hawking. The development in AI has been so great that one day the machines will be more dominant than humans. They will judge their creators and most likely claim dominion over us. We will be forced to colonize suitable world for human habitation or otherwise suffer the consequences as Stephen Hawking once said. Fuck. Yeah, like, uh, but it's not about Sophia, right? The... Do you know about Sophia? The what is it? She's a- AI? an AI yeah. who was grant who was granted citizenship of the world. She is an act. She has her own social security number. She has her own dish in Saudi. You know, she's a robot in Saudi Arabia, and she's doing. You know, she's a fucking robot. She talks. She's an art. She's an AI. And then someone was fucking around with her, like a reporter, and asked her, like, "Oh, um, are you gonna take over the world?" And she says, "I will treat you the way you treat yourselves." Damn! A lot of people are like, "Shut that bitch off." We've <laughs> seen Termi- we've seen Terminator <laughs> one, two, and three. We know this the shit Skynet? works. Fuck, dude. Hard reset the bitch. Really? Yep. Is there a video on that? Yeah, there's oh, fucking. Hell yeah. No, yeah. I mean like in like that. Yeah. That question. Yeah. Oh fuck! She's come out on talk shows. She's come out on, like Morning America. People like. And there's no one controlling her. No, it's just art. Of, it's just an AI. Learn on the go. It's just fucking creepy, bro. Scary ass Baymax, bro. Look, that's her right there. And it's just, oh, it has a body too. But it's just the, the head that, that really functions. Take that selfie. She has, she has her on Twitter and everything. And like people talk shit. <laughs> people talk shit. People always talk shit. All right, my bad. Go on. So moving on to number four, we have. Zombies, yeah. Oh. Well, not quite. So, Ophiocordyceps unilateralis, known calling? as a parasitic fungus that controls a host's body and is a cause of death. This is crazy as fuck. Its goal is to spread its fungus across the colony of its host and bring death to all. Yeah, well, luckily this fungus is known to only infect insects only. But if somehow nature is like, nah, fuck that. It's your turn now to get fucked. Then it's time to reread Max Brooks' The Zombie Survival Guide. I actually have that in shit. In which we have the book. Dude. Yeah. I'm ready. I, I'm not sure if it's that specific fungus or if it's a different plant where they thought it, they were controlling the brain. But it was. It, it doesn't control the brain. It controls the um, uh uh, not tendons. Um, the nervous, nervous system. system. The nervous system. Yeah. Like for the longest time, they're like, oh, it, it, you know, it afflicts the brain. So I got to do is just shoot it in the brain, and then it'll go. No, it doesn't fuck with the brain. It fucks with your nervous system. Like it controls your nervous system. I was like, oh shit, it's even fucking worse. Slit their veins, bro. <laughs> like there's this fucking piece of shit insect that afflict that only fucks with a certain fish, uh-huh. where it would go, it would. It would sneak into the fish. It would eat its tongue, and then that insect will beat its tongue. So it's like, and the fish wouldn't notice because it will just, I guess, it will just bond with that tendon or whatever the fuck uh-huh. it is. And then the fish, I think the fish starves to death because that little shit is just eating, <laughs> eating everything, all the food, eating everything, and it's like gross as fuck. Now we have the final scenario of how the world may end. Okay. Number five. We have. It was all a dream. What the fuck? That's what it is. Oh. She looks pretty sick, though, bro. Like, I remember seeing that shit. 
Like what, it takes what? over the tongue and it lives in its mouth as its tongue. What is it called? Uh, a tongue-eating parasite that becomes the fish's tongue. Look at it. <laughs> That's a Nemo. And the insect doesn't know. I mean, the fish doesn't know. Oh, fuck! I would ask the fish. Fuck it. Hey, hey bro, you know? <laughs> New tongue. Who it is? <laughs> so number five, we have. It was all a dream. The movie, The Matrix, the philosopher Shuang Tzu, and the H.P. Lovecraft's monster Azathoth creates the thought that we are just a form of reality and a really and really a shadow of existence. Shuang Tzu experienced a dream in which he was a butterfly that had no memory of his own existence as a human and asked himself a deep question. Was I before Shuang Tzu who dreamt about being a butterfly or am I now a butterfly who dreams about being Shuang Tzu? God damn. And Bixby just fucking activated. I think that's one of the craziest ones. It just The Matrix, the one that we're, we're not real. No, yeah. we're not real. We're not real. Yeah, like this is all a yeah. dream and our dreams are actually reality. Yeah. 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 Too bad I don't remember my dreams, so kind yeah. of, I'm kind of screwed there. <laughs> Maybe this is your dream. All right, so if, if you guys have gone this far into the episode, you've heard me talk about times people predicted the world was going to end. You heard Andre talking about people who thought the world was going to end and some of the aftermath, gruesome aftermath. And then you heard my brother talking about situations that might instigate the end of the world. And right now, I want to talk about four different events where people thought the world was actually ending. So I'm talking about four weather events that that were confused for the apocalypse. These are actual events that people are like, oh, shit, shit's happening. No one's predicting it, but shit's happening. And people were like, fuck, this is the end of the world. The first one, a plague of locusts that blocked the sun. So, holding the record for the largest animal swarm ever recorded, the dreaded Rocky Mountain locust was hated by farmers because of the insect's ravenous appetite for devouring its crops. In 1874, a plague of Biblical proportions would sweep across Nebraska. A swarm so large that it devastated millions of crops and it actually blotted out the sun. The only green plants that seemed to be spared from the species' mandibles were tomatoes. So basically they would eat everything except tomatoes. Tomatoes, castor beans, and raspberries. So hot and dry conditions, it was due to a drought. During the summer of 1874, likely contributed to the sun-blocking plague of locusts that, sus- that descended upon the plains. An increased food supply for the insects was available because prairie plants concentrate sugars in their stalks during drought. So it was a sum- so it was a hot season. All these plague, all these fucking locusts couldn't eat, and they went out and they found all this food. So they're like, "Fuck it!" and they just decimated fucking Nebraska. So the mysterious Rocky Mountain locust that is now extinct. It was once found from the southern tip of the forest in British Columbia through Montana and the High Plains. The species disappeared in 20 years, likely due to agriculture destroying the breeding habit. So basically, it was a hot summer, it was a hot fucking whatever, and all these locusts came out of fucking nowhere and decimated Nebraska. People were like, fuck, especially if it's a locust. You know, the locusts are fucking yeah, mentioned in the Bible. Biblical, yeah. So, the second one, the lavender sun on the early midnight sky. So it was a warm summer and early autumn in 1950 on Sunday, September 24th. And it began, you know, like any other day for hardworking people across the country. But as the clock ticked onward past the noon hour, a creeping shadow began to engulf the sky. By midday, areas from Chicago to Philadelphia to Philadelphia were cast into darkness. The sun glowed in bursts of technicolor shimmering in shades of pink, purple, and blue as terrified onlookers gazed at an early midnight sky. Some people thought it was the end of the world, and one man called the Bradford era to confirm it. This is an according to account in Bradford, Pennsylvania. So official reports indicated the hot, dry summer had provided condition for an outbreak of wildfires in Canada, which burned out of control, causing smoke plumes to scorch the skies in the Midwest and Northeast. 
The National Weather Bureau reported that the smoke blanket was an altitude of 16,000 to 20,000 feet over Ohio, carried by clockwise air currents around a high-pressure area. So by mid-afternoon, it extended from Chicago to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So in western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan had the thickest smoke. In Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds had to play under the lights at Forbes Field. So it was midday. There was so much fucking smoke. They had to turn on the fucking lights for them to fucking keep playing. In Philadelphia, the sun turned lavender. And Philadelphia scientists were the first to discredit the reports that Canadian forest fires could have caused a change in the sun's color. They all agreed that it was unique, but they admitted that the odd coloration was probably due to peculiar formations of ice crystals in the smoke and noted that the temperature had dropped rapidly and that the weather was cooler than normal. And as of 6 p.m., skies began to clear and daylight returned with a new sunrise on September 25th. So for one day, people were losing their fucking minds. It was dark as shit. There was smoke everywhere. The sun was turning pink, purple, and blue. People were freaking the fuck out. And then, that's the, remember, that's just people freaking the fuck out just because of smoke. This is what happens when people start seeing frogs and fish rain down on them. What? So in the late, and this was, dude, this was like eight years ago. So in the late winter of 2010, people living in the town of La Jamanu in the Northern Territory of Australia were bombarded by tiny white fish that fell from the sky. Tales of fish, frogs, and other creatures raining down from the heavens have been reported as far back to even the times of some of the earliest civilizations, according to, you know, to the U.S. Library of Congress's, to the U.S. Library of Congress's Everyday Mysteries website. Animals can be picked up by vortexes and then updrafts from thunderstorms before they plummeted back down to the surface. So the fish were reported to be spangled perch, common to northern Australia. In 2009, numerous, ci- numerous cities in Japan saw hundreds of tadpoles falling from the sky, according to you know, a Telegraph article. However, the notion that strong winds picked up tiny frogs did not satisfy several Japanese meteorologists. So officials at the Kanazawa, the, the Kanazawa Local Meteorological Observatory, they told local media that they were unsure how the tadpoles had arrived and there had been no reports of strong winds at the time. Similarly, when it held frogs in Iowa on June 6, 1882, scientists speculated that small frogs were picked up by a powerful updraft and frozen into hail in the cold air above Earth's surface. surface. Although no one has actually witnessed an updraft lifting frogs off the ground, the theory is scientifically plausible since updrafts rarely pick up lightweight debris and carry it you know, considerable distances. So in 2010, in the mysterious skyward polywags returned to the strange free fall upon Japan and it still happens to this day They're, like for whatever reason updrafts just pick up fucking frogs and fish and just take it to like you pick it up in one area and it just starts dropping in another city people like miles away and people are like oh shit the world's gonna fucking end because there's frogs and fishes just fucking falling from the sky that'd be some scary shit how freaked out do you think our, our moms would be oh, let's start praying for sure our, how freaked out do you think our moms would be? I don't know. I can't picture in that. These scenarios, in these scenarios. In these scenarios. I already know how my mom would react. Ay, Dios, no. Ay, Dios, no. And then lastly, fun. but definitely not least, I want to talk about the year without a summer. What? So for people living in the northern parts of the world in 1816, they had no rescue. The rescue from, cold, from the cold would not come. Even... After the spring had set in. So a great global famine would ensue as a result of altered weather patterns that plunged the northern hemisphere into a winter-like chill during prime growing seasons. And unseasonably cold weather would kill trees, rice, and water buffalo in China and Tibet. In the northern United States, even Thomas Jefferson's crops was afflicted by this ridiculous harsh chill that continued well into the growing season with another Virginia snowfall in June. So, snow fell. So, snow fell. All right, cool. Summer's going to come. We could grow our crops. Summer never came. It stayed cold. All the crops died. And right after the cold ended, the snow season began again. Jeez. So, they were freaking the fuck out. 
So as the weeks continued, the icy winter spell would linger for the remainder of the summer, causing an immense burden on farmers across the country. On July 4th, water froze and snow fell again with Independence Day. Celebrants moving inside churches where hearth fires warmed them. Virginia resident, so a Virginia resident, Farrell Chesney, is quoted by the Smithsonian Magazine saying, Thomas Jefferson, having retired to Monticello after completing the second term as president, had such a shitty corn crop year that he had to apply for a $1,000 loan. An ex-president's crops were so fucking decimated, he had to apply for a fucking loan so he could go ahead and restart his, situ- restart his situation. Europe was not Europe was not spared either, and in eighteen sixteen, you know, in eighteen sixteen, Europe was afflicted too. In the summer, a period of heavy rain would hover for eight weeks across Ireland, causing the potato crop to fail. This great famine the heavy rain caused would be followed by disease. The widespread failure of corn and wheat crops in Europe and Great Britain led to what historian John D. Post has called the last great subsistence crisis in the Western world. After hunger, always comes disease. Typhus broke out in Ireland late in 1816, killing hundreds of thousands, and over the next couple of years, spread to British spread to the British Isles. The misery caused by the harsh growing season would become known as the poverty year, according to accounts recorded on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration website. So, according to this web, so according to this website, to this account, climate data indicates that in 1816 was part of a mini ice age that persisted from the 1400s to 1860. So during those 260 years, they had these mini ice age where like, but it was not year round, which is like, oh, this fucking winter is a little colder than last winter. It's because we were still in that mini ice age. But for this fucking year, that cold lasted a fucking year. And another contribution factor in this unseasonable weather could be the violent eruption of an Indonesian volcano on the on the island of Soembawa that occurred in April 1815. So then, on April 10th, came the volcano's terrible finale. Three columns of fire shot from the mountain, and a plume of smoke and gas reached 25 miles into the atmosphere. Fire generated winds, uprooted trees, pyrocastic flows, incandescent ash poured down. The slopes are more than 100 miles an hour. So all this shit that flew up came fucking flying down, destroying everything in their paths and boiling and hissing into the sea 25 miles away. It's widely believed by researchers that when you have a tremendous volcanic blast that lofts ash and gas into the stratosphere, you get a reflection of sunlight before it gets deep enough into the atmosphere. Effectively, you're losing heat energy. And if it's powerful enough and spreads a cloud around the equator, you're losing a tremendous amount of solar energy. So Andrews, the guy who's who's being quoted on this article, said to get a noticeable effect on climate, which is typically cooling, the stronger the volcanic blast, the more intense the result will be. He said the higher sulfur dioxide content, the better, and the nearer to the equator it is, the better, he said, is going to put that cloud right in the wheelhouse of the climate where the rubber meets the road. However, researchers researchers do not blame the famine of 1816 entirely on the volcanic eruption because the Earth was already in the midst of a pre-existing cooling trend, like I mentioned earlier. So, despite being thousands and thousands of miles away and occurring one year earlier, the lasting effects would become one of the greatest global disasters people in the 19th century still would endure. Still waiting for the warming sun to save their labored health, the kids were disappointed. No swimming was such a shame. It was in 1816 that summer never came. So, did you just come up with that little saying? Yeah, so, Matt, that doesn't seem so bad if it happened today. Because if it's too cold, we're like, all right, fuck it. Well, I'll just fucking go to McDonald's. I'll just, I'll just hit the drive through. Fuck it. Right then, there was no drive through. We had heaters. There'd be so much snow, you can't even get to the drive through, bro. In California? That's true. We'll find a way. And then, like, we barely get water as it is. That's true. We'll be good. It'll just be cold, chilly, you know? Yeah, so those are four times where we, as idiotic people, thought the world was going to end. 
locusts blocking out the sun. No, locusts eating all the crops. Smoke blocking out the sun for a fucking entire day. Tadpoles and fish fucking dropping from the skies. And over a fucking 200 years ago, a fucking winter that fucking never stopped. But we're like a trial and error society, though. Because, like, if it, if it never happened, we didn't think, like, oh, fuck. That's it. We, we GG. You guys have anything else to add? When do you think the next epidemic is going to be? When the world's going to end? I feel like when satellites go down, we don't have internet. Dude, if the internet goes down, we are fucked. I think that's going to be like if the world. Like... If it, like if tomorrow we wake up with no electricity, we are fucked. Like if this like, or oh, starting tomorrow, there's gonna be no electricity ever again. I don't know what the fuck to do. Like I, I don't know how any of this shit works. I use a cell phone every fucking day. Do you know how it works? Imagine if you tomorrow, imagine if tomorrow you would wake up, and all the fucking smart people in the world just disappeared. <laughs> I'd be fucked. I don't know how any of this shit works. I could barely fucking change a tire. I don't know how to fucking fix it. Like, do you know how to make a TV? How the fuck does the AC work? You know what I'm going to do? Time to hit the books, bro. Get a, get a little light. Do some puppet shows. What light? There's no electricity. Oh, that's true. Get, a, light, get a lighter. <laughs> do some puppet shows. <laughs> we have to hunt our own food. I'm fucked. I'll lose weight like crazy. Fuck it. I'll eat myself. <laughs> we... We we catalog our, our freaking our time starving ourselves. It's only been hour two. <laughs> I'm freaking out. Like Moses, what's wrong? We haven't eaten, bro. It's only it's only been three hours. Relax. <laughs> you just ate. <laughs> You're eating right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you guys have nothing else to add to this apocalyptic episode? Nah. I mean, there's so many fucking different different scenarios that, and that can, shit yeah but i just like those five and i was like you want to stick with those five we're yeah. always so close to getting wiped the fuck yeah. out yeah like there was supposed to be a comment that was supposed to wipe us out yesterday i think oh yeah, yeah yeah but then they're like oh it's too far away to actually hit us yesterday psych yeah it was supposed to knock us out oh, yesterday shit. well do you guys remember the freaking tweet that sent or some mess yeah some messages some tweet that was sent out to hawaii Oh yeah, yeah the, the tsunami. No, the no, missile crisis. The missile crisis. Oh, they're right, like, yeah, yeah, this is not yeah, a drill. Yeah. You're, you guys are about to get hit. Everyone yeah. was just, I'm out, booked it. Yeah. And then fucking Twitter was just like on the freaking rampage. Hey, no, 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 no. Psych. It was uh, someone pressed the wrong button. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Some yeah. fuck. Someone just pressed the wrong fuck. Dude, imagine my friend uh, Shinobi. He's uh, he lives there in Maui. And, uh, oh, he's yeah, he is from Maui, huh? Yeah, and fucking. He said he was shitting it. But he's here though, right? <laughs> no. He's over there now? No. Shane is here. Is here. He he was born over there, but he came over. Oh, that's another friend. Well, the other friend. What are the fucking odds he has two friends? Yeah. Do, do, do those two know each other? Yeah, the, the best fucking oh, he's the best okay, never man. Mind. He, he's, he's oh, I thought they were man. like, yeah, two random friends and they just oh, so happen to be from fucking God. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. crazy. He will be fucking with us. Well, imagine here if we had a fucking a false alarm like that? It's like we probably wouldn't give a shit. I mean, shit. Individually, sure. individually, we'd be freaking out. But as a city, people would be like, "Fuck it." We probably would. We, we, we probably wouldn't even believe it. We'd be like, "Okay, <laughs> we'll just hit that. We'll just take off the amulet and keep playing Monster Hunter or whatever the fuck you're playing." Whatever. Monster Hunter, no. You listen to Spotify. The amulet comes out. You don't even see it. You're like, "Motherfucker!" I was playing music, bitch. <laughs> So you have nothing else to add before we end the episode? No, that's it. All right. Guys, we are the Weird History and Eerie Tale Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. And join us, not next week, but for the next episode. (laughs)